0: Chapter 210 of Varney the Vampire, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume 3, by Thomas Prescott Priest, Chapter 210. The strange visitor to the old church at night. The request of Will Stevens to be allowed to put some sawdust in the vault of the Croftons was one of those regular things that he always propounded to any one who had a vault open beneath the old church, and he generally made a very good thing of it. People were always too much taken up with thinking of the loss of the relation who had just been placed in that dismal respiratory to think much of a guinea to will for a shilling's worth of sawdust and if they did ever intimate that they thought it rather too much he always had his answer ready at the tip of his tongue how should you like sir or madam as the case may be to go into a vault among the dead to lay the sawdust for him that argument was generally conclusive and will would get his guinea with sir george crofton he was quite sure and safe so he had no scruples upon the subject, and the little bit of sawdust he meant to carry in, when he had time, was more for the say of the thing than for any utility it was at all likely to be of, but then as he said, where's the odds the dead urns can't see it, and living urns won't go to see it? So it does very well, and I pockets my guinea, which does better still, for after all the sextons ain't the most agreeable life in the world. And he ought to be paid well, not that I care much about it, being used to it, but there was a time when I had my qualms, and I've had get over them the best way I could, somehow, if I am now all right. These were Will's arguments and reflections to himself before night, when he meant to go and place the little bag of sawdust in the Crofton's family vault. But before we follow Will Stevens on the sawdust expedition, as we intend to do, we wish first to draw the intention of the reader to another circumstance, the relation of which to Will Stevens' proceedings will very shortly appear indeed. As the night came on, there was some appearance of stormy weather. The wind blew in a strange gusty and uncertain manner, shifting about from point to point of the compass in an odd way. As though it had not made up its mind from whence to blow, the most weather-wise personage of the neighborhood were puzzled, for just as they prognosticated one species of weather from the particular direction, whence the wind came, it shifted and came from some other quarter, very nearly directly opposite. This was extremely provoking, but at all events it was generally agreed that the moon would not on that night shed its soft light upon the earth. How far they were mistaken in the Cermis we shall presently see. Will Stevens had an opinion from certain admonitory symptoms arriving from his corns, that it would rain, so he delayed going to the church until he should see what sort of weather it was going to be inwardly deciding that it would be a capital excuse not to go at all that night if the rain should come down pretty sharply. This period of indecision he passed at a public house, known as the Blue Lion, the charms of the excellent ale of that establishment materially assisting him in coming to the conclusion that if it should rain ever so little, it would be better to put off his job until the morning. Now it was not Will was afraid that he hesitated, he was too used to death to feel now any terrors of fear. It was nothing but the ale, why then was the hurry? Simply that the flat stone, which was over the vault of the Croftons, was left unfastened until the aforesaid sawdust was placed within the receptacle of the dead, and the next day was Sunday, so that the job must be finished before the service could commence. At night, therefore, or very early in the following morning, Will must seem to earn his guinea by going to the vault. He did not like to venture, saying he had been, and yet neglect going, for he knew there were too many gossips about the village to make that safe. While he is, however, regaling himself at the alehouse, another person totally, to all appearance, heedless of wind and threatening rain, is abroad in the neighborhood of the church. A tall figure enveloped in a large musky looking cloak is moving slowly past a few cottages in the immediate vicinage of the church, and so noiselessly that it looks like a spirit of the dead rather than a living person. It was unseen by anyone, for it was a time of the night, half-past eleven, now at which few persons in that little quiet place were abroad. And as we have said, Will Stevens, perhaps the only inhabitant who had any real business to be abroad at such an hour, was still solacing himself at the blue lion with the ale that seemed to get better every glass he took. The figure moved on at a slow and steady pace among the old tombstones that lay, so think, around in the circuit of this churchyard, until it reached the church himself, and then it walked slowly around the sacred edifice, looking with a curious eye at the windows that presented themselves to observation and apparently scanning the height from the ground. Finally, he paused at a rugged-looking part of the wall, and commenced with great muscular power and most wonderful agility, climbing up to one of the windows. To look at that wall, it would have seemed that nothing human could possibly have succeeded in ascending it, and yet the stranger, catching at Asperides, which scarcely seemed to be such, did with a wonderful power and strength, dragged himself up until he grasped an iron bar close to the window immediately above him and then he had a firm hold after this his progress was easy assuming that his object was merely to get up to the window of the old church for he stood upon the narrow ledge without in a few moments there was a slight noise it was of the breaking of a pane of glass and then the stranger introduced his hand into the church and succeeded in removing a rude primitive looking fastening which held the window in its place In another moment, he disappeared from external observation within the sacred building. What could he want there at such an hour, and who is he? Did he contemplate disturbing the repose of the dead with some unhallowed purpose? Was robbery his aim? Let us be patient, and probably we shall soon enough perceive that some affairs are in progress that require the closest attention, and which in the vaults are calculated to fill the reflecting mind with the most painful images... And awake sensations of horror at the idea that such things can really be and are permitted tacitly by heaven to take place on the beautiful earth destined for the dwelling place of man. End of Chapter Two Hundred Ten.